welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 65. I'm your host, Sal Katan. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. What a weekend of soccer, Nihal. Yeah, I mean, I forgot to qualify for the weekend league in foot, but aside from that, it was a great weekend of soccer. Okay. <laughs> I don't even play Ultimate Team. Is it good this year? Yeah, it's great. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, the weekend league, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, foot is FIFA Ultimate Team. Um, <laughs> I, um, I miss the old days when there was a free market and trade offers. and FIFA 14 are the best Ultimate Team. Okay, you, you know what, though? It, the, uh, the price capping has kept the prices down. It was bad when they first implemented it. Okay, I don't know why we're talking about this. I just brought it up to bring it up, but um, I, I, think, I think Ultimate Team is great this year. <laughs> One of the biggest club games in the world is El Clasico. Real Madrid versus Barcelona. This time it was Barcelona at home in the camp now, and it ended up being a 1-1 draw. The first goal came from Luis Suarez in the 53rd minute. Neymar takes a cross from a free kick, and Suarez heads it in. And then late in the second half, Sergio Ramos, as he always does, gets a header off a Modric free kick, and it ends up being 1-1. Barcelona would have liked to have those points, but um, uh, what were your thoughts on this game in general? Well, first of all, I, I think they needed the points because with the draw, they're still six points behind Real Madrid. Uh, you know, they, It's a huge swing for them because if they had ended up winning the match and pulling it out, it would have been, uh, it would only have been a three-point difference. Um, I thought that... Barcelona were better for most of the match. Um, I thought Sergio Busquets in defensive midfield was absolutely fantastic. Um, And, you know, Barcelona, I think, had a couple of chances to put the game away. Um, One that comes to mind was after Iniesta came on um, late in the match, Iniesta uh, put Neymar in on goal. Neymar did a, a great move. Uh, and, and sent the defender the wrong way. I believe it was Carvajal. I don't. I can't remember sp- uh, who it was though. Sent it the wrong way and put the ball over the top from like ten yards out. Uh, so I, I, I think. And then yeah. Mess, Messi, like like in the eighty second minute, he also had a, kind of a one on one with the keeper, but he. Yeah, yeah, and that was a great pass by Iniesta, by the way. Another great pass. He he and um, Iniesta and Busquets were the best players on the field. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's always it's always Sergio Ramos, isn't it? He finds a way to pull it out for Real Madrid, and he did it again, and a very very good result for Real Madrid, I'd have to say. I think in the first half there were a couple of close calls. Maybe Real Madrid should have gotten one penalty. I think in the second minute was a big one uh, when Lucas Vasquez went down, wasn't called. Yeah, no, I think that was a clear penalty. Um, I think there was a handball sometime later that could have been called yeah. on Real Madrid. So I think that way it balanced itself out a little bit. But yeah, both of those I think should have been penalties. Absolutely. Yeah, in the 43rd minute, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, you know, Messi wasn't that much of a factor in this game. Do you think that he didn't show up enough, in your opinion? Um, you know, I don't know if he didn't show up enough. I think he... I think at times he uh, was definitely involved in, in, in the atta- in the attack, um, but you know you I guess you expect more out of him. You expect him to impact the match. He was sort of I thought he was left on an island, sort of um, at right wing. Tactically, there was set up, so um, 
he wouldn't really have to tr- track back on defense. It was interesting. They sort of reverted, both teams really reverted to a 4-4-2 on defense. Um, and Messi moved up top with, uh, with Luis Suarez, and Rakitic sort of moved out to right mid. Um, and I think they wanted, they did that so Messi would be more involved. I don't think he imposed his will as well as uh, Barcelona fans would have liked to have seen him do. I think a lot of the play was through midfield. It was a lot of Busquets trying to find the final ball to one of the three forwards um, instead of, uh, at least a successful play, instead of more build-up play. Um, But, you know, it's hard to say he should have shown up more than he did. I mean, Ronaldo didn't really show up either, you know. I think it was a a tough match on both sides. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, from from a viewer's aspect, I mean, not just because of the, the fact that this was a draw. I mean, this is the I think in nine Classicos, this was was the first draw, which is pretty impressive. But yeah. I didn't find this as exciting as a lot of the Classicos that I've watched, and I, I don't know if that was because we didn't see a lot of you know chances from Messi or Ronaldo. I mean, Ronaldo. I mean, the, you know, but but not not superstar caliber play from both of them, and. Uh, I think that I, I I don't know what did you what did you think in terms of from from a neutral viewer in terms of how entertaining it was. I mean I don't think it was it was entertaining. I think obviously half of that is is the meaning of the match and it being El Clasico, but I think it was entertaining because just some of the play is just at a higher level. You know. City Manchester City versus Chelsea, which we'll talk about, was a great match. But some of the things that the players, some of the little things that players do and did on the pitch, you just don't see in other matches. And I think that's what makes El Clasico so compelling. It's it's the level of play, and I mean it's the two best teams in the world. Maybe Bayern Munich's up there, but it's realistically the two best teams in the world going at it. Um, but yeah, you know it wasn't. It wasn't end to end like a chance every five or six minutes, um, but I, I thought it was very very entertaining. Uh, and, and going back to tactics real quickly, I really think that uh, Barcelona needs to find themselves a true right back because Sergio Roberto does well in La Liga and he, I think he does a decent job. But you could tell that Barcelona or that Real Madrid were trying to overload that side with. Marcelo and Ronaldo and even sometimes Benzema drifting out wide, even Kovacic coming up from midfield. They were overloading that side, and they were giving Sergio Roberto a lot, a lot of problems. Um, and I think it's something that teams are going to continue to, to exploit because he's not a right back by, by, yeah. uh, by I don't know, not by definition, but by trade, I guess. He's, he's not a true right back, so I think they need to get that sorted out. Um, yeah. But... Tactically, tactically, I thought it was a compelling match because both teams were sort of similar on on defense, and that they sort of reverted to that four four two. And like I said, you know, some of the passes we saw from Iniesta, like you said, Iniesta in the eighty second minute from uh, to Messi, and then Sergi Busquets had a couple of great passes. Um, I don't know; it's it's stuff like that that makes it compelling to me. But yeah, also, yeah. but also you're right. I mean, you're right. Uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't the most exciting match. It definitely wasn't the most El Cla- most exciting El Clasico in the last couple of years. Yeah, like I feel like if you just turned on the game and showed it to someone who didn't really watch soccer that much, 
I don't know if they would know that these were the best two teams in the world. You know. Well, yeah, but I mean, how can you? I mean, sometimes you can. I mean, just from like the pure quality that's shown. Well, I thought the quality was there. It, I mean, defending is part of quality, right? No. <laughs> I mean, well, well, I mean, no, because Empoli can Empoli can like tie Juve in like a Serie A game, but it's not because that's mostly because of organization. Right, that's but not like it wasn't. I mean, I, I I tend to agree with what you're saying, like your overall premise that it wasn't super exciting. I don't know why we're hung up on it necessarily, but because <laughs> <laughs> I want more. <laughs> okay, disappointing. Enough. What I will say, um, friend of the podcast Phil Shane, and then also Ray Hudson did a fantastic job calling the match. They always make they always make the matches exciting, and they do a great job. So, great job, Phil. It was fun to listen to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, I, I assume you're going to take, I mean, I guess this is a good time to predict it. You think Real Madrid is going to win La Liga, right? I mean, I think they're in the position to, I, oh, I wow. Wanna, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say anything yet. Everyone can drop points and you know, Real Madrid hasn't lost since like February. Did you know that? In the league. Yeah. Or I think actually overall. So I, I think, think, I think they have a really good road. I, I don't think they've lost on the road in a while too. I know they haven't lost in the league for a really long time, and they haven't lost in any competition for a really long time because they won the Champions League. So, oh, they lost to Wolfsburg in the quarterfinals. That was their last loss. Last okay, week. yeah. So, wow. I mean, they're I mean Zinedine Zidane, man, he he's really risen to the top, and you know you can say that he you know he's coaching Real Madrid, but I mean he's he's been extremely successful. And he's he's shown uh, tactical acumen, I guess you could say, and he's shown the ability to uh, relate and energize players. And you know, losing a player like Gareth Bale and uh, and getting a result at at the camp now at Barcelona is not easy. And yeah. he was able to adjust. He was able to use that four four two on defense, putting Benzema and Ronaldo up top for the counter attack. I mean, I thought Lucas Vasquez was decent and. Also, don't forget, Casemiro didn't start their usual defensive midfielder, um, who you know might have helped early on when Barcelona was pressing or was pushing for, for goals. So I, I thought uh, Zinedine Zidane did, did did a great job in this match. Yeah, yeah. Well, one more thing regarding the game. Do you think this was a fair result? And obviously, Barcelona is is the one that hurt more after this match. Do you think that? This the, the blame should be on some of the star players or Luis Enrique, or do you think it was just you know one of those days for Barcelona? Well, I, okay, so I think Luis Suarez was largely ineffective. I think Rafael Varane was, um, I mean, beating him. He, you know, Suarez would try to turn, and Varane would win the ball every time. Um, I think for the first maybe. 25, 30, 35 minutes, Barcelona was dominating. And then for the last 10 minutes of, of the first half, Real Madrid started to come into the match. Uh, you know, Isco started to get out wide and um, do what he does best and, and start to create. Um, in the second half, I, I think it was mostly Barcelona. Um, but Real Madrid had their fair share of Sanchez. I think it was a fair result. I think Barcelona, if any team, I think Barcelona had a better chance to win it. I think if there was going to be a winner of this match, it would have been Barcelona, if that makes sense. 
But I think overall it is a fair result. But going back to Rafael Varane winning the ball from Suarez, what, what I did notice in the second half was that Suarez started to just do one-touch passing. Um, so whenever the ball would come into him, he would try to set Neymar or um, Iniesta or Messi um, and try to play them through one time because whenever he would try to turn, Varane was winning. So I think that was a great adjustment by him or Luis Enrique or whoever decided to do that. Um, and I think that opened up the attack a little bit more for, for Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. All right, do you have anything else to say on El Clasico? Uh, no, not really. It was it was fun to watch, despite what you thought. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm just comparing it to other El Clasicos. Or Los Clasicos, I suppose. That, that, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I do. Why don't we... Go ahead, go ahead. Why don't we switch continents and also move back in time as we talk about Toronto <laughs> FC versus Montreal Impact in the second leg of the Eastern Conference Finals in MLS Cup. It was a crazy game, one of the most exciting MLS games you'll ever see. And um, I'm just going to, how about I just break down each goal, then we talk about the game as a whole and what it means for Toronto FC to pick up this win. Sounds good. Real quickly, I thought I thought we were going to Chelsea, Man City next. <laughs> you said we're switching continents. I was really confused for a second. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought we yeah because th- this happened quite a while ago, but we didn't have an episode. Uh, right, right. Then, no, no. no. I, um, I agree. I agree with your choices. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Although I don't need your approval, as I am the host. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the twenty fourth minute, Dominico Duro scores. For Montreal, Moncosu plays the ball in, and he has a nice touch and finish, 0-1. In the 37th minute, Armando Cooper cleans it up after there's a bit of a, a corner scrap. There was a header. It was saved. Cooper gets it through. It's 1-1 now. Josie Alcador just two minutes later. Sorry, I switched those times around. Um, oh, no, I didn't. Sorry. Josie Alcador in the 45th minute. Uh, Giovinco takes the corner. Alcador comes up and heads it. It was a great header. And then Toronto is up 2-1. to one. Going into the second half, Ignacio Piatti gets the second goal for Montreal. It was a, kind of a jammy goal. I don't think, He wasn't really trying to shoot it. He was just dribbling, and he accidentally <laughs> gets the dribble into the goal. And then it is 2-2. Nick Hagland in the 68th minute gets the goal. It's a set piece from Justin... Or it's a set piece, and Justin Moore eventually it rolls to him, and he gets to cross it in. And Hagland, the defender, the left back, puts it in. And at this point, Toronto is up 3-2, to two, and it's going to go into extra time, which it does. And then the 98th minute, Betashore crosses into Cheruv for a header. And two minutes later, Altador does some great hold-up play and crosses it into Ricketts for a, in the 100th minute to get a goal. 4-2, or 5-2, and Toronto goes through 7-5 to five on aggregate. Game over. Toronto FC is going to MLS Cup Final. Yeah, real real quickly, I think Hagelin was the left center back. They were using that three in the back again. Yeah. Um, yeah, what a crazy match. I did not think, I really did not think that they could top the first leg of this of this when, when Toronto won 3-2, to two, but they somehow did. I mean, that was awesome. And for anyone who says MLS isn't exciting, I mean... Back to your point, this was much more exciting than El Clasico, just just in terms of pure entertainment, you know? Yeah, no. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was just peak MLS. Bad defending, weird own goals, awesome attacking play, injuries. 
I mean, go to Ben uh, Benoit Sheru's winner. Talking about that, I mean, remember Sheru came on like a minute earlier because Jovinko got hurt, <laughs> and he was able to score the winning goal. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Josie Altador. Let's let, let's talk about Josie Altador. Josie Altador has been absolutely fantastic in the playoffs. I think he has five goals in the playoffs. Is that right? Um, I, I don't. I don't know. That sounds right. He's yeah. I've, seems like I mean, he's been all over the highlights. Yeah. Yeah, he's been great. And that near post header he had in the forty fifth minute. I mean, was was awesome. And that's why you. That's why you really yeah, should no. put someone on the on the line. You really should put a defender on the line. Um, but a great, you know, it looked like at first when that ball was coming in from Jovinko, I was confused because I was like, this is where. It's a terrible cross, but then Josie just comes in and he heads it home. And, you know, something I talked about, uh, or we talked about, I think on the last episode, did Jurgen get fired in the last episode or the one before that? Two episodes ago, I think. Okay, two episodes ago, was that these guys show so much more passion for their MLS team, which is even an American team, <laughs> um, <laughs> than they do yeah. with the U.S. national team. Um, and that, that was definitely palpable in this match. Um, yeah, he scored in his fifth straight, uh, fifth straight playoff match. Um, so, I, th- I believe that's a record, Josie Altidore. But I mean, overall, just such a good match. I am a little bit nervous about Toronto's defense still with a three in the back. I mean, Montreal could have had more goals. And uh, yeah, and you you have to talk about. Montreal set piece defending because that really oh, cost them in this game. Three, three out of four corners they scored goals. Yeah, three out of four. Toronto scored. That's yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. And um, I guess that's something they're 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 going to need to get a defender or something in, in the off season. But Montreal, like I like I said, has quietly in the last episode has quietly been one of the best teams in MLS for the past two years. Um, you know, doing well, doing decently well in the playoffs. Um, did they did well in the Concacaf Champions League? But uh, quickly, I want to talk about Toronto and, and the atmosphere because I thought the atmosphere was great. I mean, that place, BMO Field, was popping, and I'm excited that they get to host um, MLS Cup on grass in Toronto. I mean, I would love to see Century the Century Link Field like you know, full hosting MLS Cup, but I'm really excited. And it's really exciting that, you know, one of these teams is going to be a new team winning MLS Cup. Seattle Sounders, you know, one of the best fan bases in MLS. Toronto FC, so bad for so long. Didn't make the playoffs ever, ever in the history of the franchise until I think last year. Um, Or was it the year before? I think last year. Uh, And they turned it around and their vision of bringing in players like big DPs like Michael Bradley, Sebastian Jovinko, who is, I think, clearly the best player in MLS, um, and Josie Altidore, but then also bringing in players like Benoit Cheru, a proven player um, who's played hundreds of matches in Europe. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's a great way, it's a, it's a great thing for MLS, I think, to have these two teams, to have the star power in, 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 in the MLS Cup Final. Yeah, and I think, as I was saying in the previous episode, both these teams spent a lot, uh, you know, over the past few windows, and, you know, they've always underachieved, but now you see some of that talent starting to turn up, 
and from a Seattle standpoint, you know, you know, it used to be all about you know Clint Dempsey and Obafemi Martins, but now it, you know it's neither of those players are playing, and Jordan Morris is the guy, and that that's for, as for from a U.S. perspective, and just from a I guess a story perspective, that's great to see. This is his first season uh, with the Sounders, and he's already making a huge impact. Oh yeah, he's a local guy. He's his dad is a team doctor for the Sounders. Grew up watching the Sounders play. That's insane. You know, we're at a point in MLS's history where players have grown up watching MLS, which I think that's actually pretty cool. I, I don't think I think that's something people take for granted now. Um, I mean, the year the league is twenty one years old. Um, but you know, yes, Jordan Morris is the guy, but equally Nicholas Ladero is the guy. What a transaction! Um, for Brian Schmetzer, I, really Ziggy Schmidt helped. It, you know, I feel bad for Ziggy Schmidt because he got fired literally right before Nicholas Ladero came in. But what a turnaround for, from for this team! I yeah. mean, they were terrible at the beginning of the year, and people were like, you know, they're down and out; they're going to miss the playoffs. But Jordan Morris started to produce more and more. Nicholas Ladero really energized the team in that midfield. Christian Roldan should get a look with the U.S. national team pretty soon. He's done so well in that number eight role. Um, after, you know, he's a young player, uh, and he continues to do really well. Roman Torres and Chad Marshall have been great in defense. Uh, I mean, overall, I think, I mean, they're a great team, and I think they, I think they're going to win MLS Cup, to be honest. Yeah. No, hey, you you mentioned their struggles at the beginning of the season. I'm pretty sure one of our podcasts, you had them at, like, the bottom of the power rankings. They were, or for your MLS power rankings. Yeah. Uh, Great turnaround. They were, yeah. You know that's the re- that's the real measure. That's what that's what inspired them. My power rankings never would have been possible in Europe, folks. But <laughs> wait, what? I didn't even hear what you said. What'd you say? <laughs> I, I said my power rankings inspired them. Oh yes, we have several avid listeners from the Sounders. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, they always ask us to be on the podcast, but guys, no, you're not good <laughs> enough. We only take the best of the best. That's why you waited for Landon Donovan. Um, no, but you wouldn't see that kind of story in Europe because Seattle would have been pretty much done if if they had that kind of start to the season. But and obvi- I don't favor either type of format, but that's the beauty in having you know be, being able to watch both, I guess. Yeah, and MLS really, really needs to push uh, w- when trying to expand in foreign markets. Really needs to push the parity of the league and push stories like this. You know, a, a team like. Everton, because Everton would be in the playoffs, right? And who knows? They could go on and do something crazy. I mean, obviously, you do have cups like the FA Cup and the League Cup in, 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 in all the countries. And, you know, maybe, like, if the championship, if you finish finish sixth, you can get promoted still. But, I mean, it's not, it's not like this, right? It's not like this. You can't you can't completely turn around your season. Um, so, I, you know, that's... I'm excited. I'm just excited. I'm really, this MLS season has been so great, and I'm, it, I couldn't, you couldn't really ask for two better teams to be in the final. Yeah, I, I think this is the last episode we're going to have before the final, so make, make a prediction right now. Saturday, 8 o'clock, Toronto, Seattle, who's it going to be? I think Seattle is going to win 3-2. to two. I'm going to say Jordan Morris with a brace. And then Roman Torres with the goal. And then I'm going to say Josie Altidore and Jovinko each get one. Okay. I am actually going to say... 
I'm going to say Toronto 3-1. Okay, Toronto's at home, so it's possible. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, I think that, I'm going to, yeah, let's go Bradley 1, Josie 1, Giovinco 1. Uh, Bradley's going to score a screamer, like better than his goal versus Scotland. (laughs) I don't know if that's possible. Actually, no, I don't think, he doesn't even try those as much. He used to try them more. Yeah. yeah. Um, Who's going to score for Seattle? Um, uh, Ivan Schitz is going to score for Seattle. That was kind of oh, a random interesting, pick. Interesting. But, <laughs> okay. I, I can dig that. But it's not going to matter because that will have been late in the game. And then he's going to do the whole thing where he's going to grab the ball and set it back up. But it's going to be to no avail because... <laughs> try okay, you're <laughs> you going know. really specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but either way, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be nice to see a new team win it. And... Uh, two consecutive years, right? Because Portland never won it before last year. So, true. two yeah. new teams. Yeah. All right, moving on to, as you mentioned before, Manchester City versus Chelsea. This also happened on Saturday before El Clasico. Manchester City lost 1-3 to three at the Etihad. Let's go through the goals. In the 45th minute, Cahill scores an own goal, which is a goal for Manchester City off a of Jesus Navas cross. Terrible clearance technique. We'll get into that later. In the 60th minute, Seth Fabregas plays a long ball. Costa outstrengths Otamendi and puts it past Bravo. It's 1-1 then. On the counterattack in the 70th minute, Willian scores. Costa with a nice pass. And Hazard cements it later on as he receives a long ball and makes it 3-1. Overall, what are your thoughts? Uh, actually, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Overall, what are your thoughts? I mean, it was an exciting match. Um, you know, both teams set up pretty similar, similarly with the three-four-three. Uh, both teams tried to press high, and uh, which sort of led to some of the long balls that we saw. I thought uh, Chelsea's team was more balanced defensively with the three defenders and Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses as their wingbacks, rather than Jesus Navas and Leroy Sané as wingbacks. Who, I mean, they aren't defenders. Um, and you know, I thought. David Silva was very good in the center of the park. I mean, all of that being said, Manchester City dominated the match for 60 minutes and really should have put really should have put the game away a couple of times. Aguero had a couple of really good chances. Kevin De Bruyne obviously had the wide open sitter oh, that he put off the crossbar. Um, but you know, Chelsea, this is why they are going to win the the, the league. This is why they were my pick to win the league. Um, Antonio Conte knows how to set up his team. We saw it in the Euros. He knows how to get the best out of his team. Um, they defended. They, you know, they adjusted when um, when City was pressing one to one. Really, De Bruyne on Cahill, um, and and they sent the ball long. They, they utilized Diego Costa's strength a couple of times on the first goal. Obviously, he just outmuscled uh, Odomendi on the second goal too. He he gets the better of Odomendi and sends Willian through. Um, they made the adjustments, and they are ruthless in their finishing. And that's the difference between a champion and second place, really. I mean, you've got to finish your opportunities. Okay, I mean, Manchester City can still win the title. I don't think it's going to happen. And they're only four points off. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but you can't, you, can't, you can't lose these matches at home. You can't, you can't squander your opportunities like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they still have the reverse. I mean, there's so many games left. They have the reverse fixture. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think, I I don't know. I, I think I think City. I think the 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 lineup was too attacking. 
Um, but it worked. You know, it really, it did work for the first 60 minutes. Like I said, they should have put the ball away. I mean, they they had so many opportunities in the in this match. So many opportunities. And they just weren't clinical enough. And what I'm saying is that's what separates, you know, if, if, if they, if in a few months from now, you know, we, we look back and, you know, Chelsea win by two or three points. I mean, you can look back at this match. I mean, it's a match that yeah. Manchester City should have won. But that I'm, but that is not in. I don't think that that has so much to do with City. I mean, I think Aguero can bury bury a couple of those chances that he had in most games. Uh, he 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 wasn't himself. Like I don't think that that really has say- to do with the personnel. But what I'm saying is you. Ha- I'm not saying their personnel is inferior to Chelsea's because I don't think it is. I think in a lot of ways it's superior. I mean, who would you rather have on your wings, Jesus Navas and Leroy Sané, or Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses? I mean, to First. be fair, this year I'd take Alonso and Moses. But, um, I mean, just on paper, you know, Man City is definitely not an inferior team. But what I'm saying is when you are presented the opportunities that they were presented in a match like this, you have to finish. And that, that's what Chelsea has done in the last 10 matches. They've taken their opportunities and, they, and they've been ruthless. And not only that, they've defended extremely yeah. well. And in the 90th minute, you know, Sergio Aguero, just a terrible challenge on David Luiz. You already elbowed someone in the head this season. Why do you have to do all this stuff? Like, I know. You're such a good player. Ridiculous. But. Ridiculous tackle. You know, I will say, I think David Luiz should have been sent off earlier for obstructing Sergio Aguero, and that could have completely changed the match. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was a horrific challenge. Horrific challenge. It almost, you know, it almost makes you like Diego Costa more than Sergio Aguero. <laughs> Who are, I, I mean, like, he used to be, I, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of weird that, remember when I mean, he used to... They're both former Atletico Madrid strikers. True. So. I I kind of used to like it more when Costa was struggling because he's always been kind of annoying. But um, I think that's really yeah, affected the way Chelsea. When when you have an inform Hazard and inform Costa, it's it's very hard to stop. Uh, but see, but what I'm talking about is it's just so so. City goes up one nothing, and you should continue attack. You should continue to attack. But when Chelsea go up to two to one, they revert back to their five four one, a much more defensive formation, and they realize that they can they can win on over the top through balls, which is what they did. And I think it's just adjustments like that that really made the separation in this match. Even though City had opportunities, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that, that can that can be said too. I I'm just going to stick with Manchester City winning the league. Because uh, I said that at the beginning. Right. Well, and I don't want to make it seem, you know, De Bruyne, he missed that opportunity, but I thought he had a good match. He really influenced play on that right-hand side. He was very creative. And, you know, he would drop deep into midfield. Like I said, it was sort of, it was weird. It was like man-to-man coverage. He would drop into midfield, and Cahill would not come up with him. So the deeper he dropped, uh, the more he was able to influence the, the match. And I thought David Silva, like I said, I mean, I love these Spanish midfielders, man. I, I, he just, on, um, he was fantastic. And even on the, on the Gary Cahill goal, it's a drive from him through the midfield. He gives it to Aguero. Aguero goes wide to Navas and that ends up put, and then Navas puts the cross in for the own goal. I mean, he, 
he is so good at dribbling and so good at getting into the attacking third from the midfield and linking up play. He's a rich man's Darlington Nagby. Poor man's Darlington Nagby. <laughs> are, you call, are you calling? Are you calling Manchester City poor men? No, <laughs> I'm just saying Nagby is the richest man. That's true. Um, on, on his way to Celtic, most likely. Yeah, that would be really exciting. I'm just glad that he's going to be playing again. I, that was actually one of the most concerning parts, like about about Klinsman. Yeah, about, about Klinsman. Well, we, we have plenty of time to talk about that in January. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, moving on. We have another big European game. It's the Derby della Capitale between Roma and Lazio. Guess who was at home? Lazio. Okay, well, yeah, they were both at home, though. Yeah, well, yeah. They're both playing not the same for, not, for, not for long, though. Yeah, long. Roma's building a new stadium. I, I don't think we've officially gotten clearance yet, yet. But uh, we will soon, and then we, we've got some big plans. But anyways... Honestly, honestly, I think this is... This is my second favorite rivalry in uh, in all of soccer. I would say in all of the, uh, club soccer, I would say my favorite is the Merseys- Merseyside Derby, then the Derby de la Capitale. Just because I'm an Everton fan, so like I really look forward to these matches. Then the Derby de la Capitale, then El Clasico, because I, I, just in matches like this, there is so much, so much passion, and you know Roma and Lazio are obviously big clubs. But they're also, I feel like, much more domestic, you know? Like, the, the rivalry means so much to the people in Rome. Yeah. And I think you can see that. And I think the players can feel that, and it's reflected. And you have people like Daniela De Rossi and uh, Florenzi, who's injured, right? Florenzi's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you have, um, you have Romanistas, and... They always these matches don't disappoint. Like a couple of years ago, when Totti single handedly brought the team back, yeah, and won. that was still a draw. No, no, oh, it was a draw. Yeah, yeah. Was it a draw? He scored two goals. He scored two yeah. goals. Yeah, <laughs> a bicycle. It was a, selfie, kick, yeah. it was a selfie match when he had this when he took the selfie. Yep. I mean, I love. I had to miss that game for dumb reasons sometimes. Uh, you had the opportunity to stay back with you. At, no, I didn't. I I forgot why, but for some reason you were at. I don't know. Oh God! Okay. You were going to dinner, and I didn't get ready in time, so I came. <laughs> so I got, That's I got so told. dumb. Why do you get awarded for not being punctual? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um. Why, why don't we get into this game? Wait, but also, sorry. Hold up a second. Did you, were you saying club rivalries? Because. Yes, club rivalry. Okay, because USA-Mexico, I mean, that's got to be... Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think I said that in terms but, of club rivalries. Domestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Oh, okay, right, 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 okay. So, the Rome Derby this time around went in Roma's favor as they took the W 2-0. Lazio seemed to control the first half. They have more, a lot more chances. Immobile had a big chance in the 13th minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savic made a good play and laid it off to him, but he skied it. Uh, in the 64th minute, the first goal came. Strutman takes advantage of a mistake by a Lazio defender, Wallace. He applies the pressure, takes it away, doesn't pass to Dzeko, gets it himself anyway, a nice little dink over Marchetti. Then, in the 77th minute, Nangolan makes it 2-0. De Rossi passes it on the break, and Nangolan fires from outside the box. Some questionable keeping from Marchetti, but uh, 2-0, Roma wins. Yeah, and, and the first goal really starts from a bad pass from Diego Perotti. Uh, I mean, I don't really... It was just a bad through ball. Yeah. Um, Wallace intercepts it and then tries to 
dribble out of the back? I don't really know what he was doing. <laughs> it looked like he was trying to Meg Strootman. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> and then Strootman's able to come in and chip it. I thought, and, you know, honestly, D- uh, Ed and Jekyll almost stole it from Strootman. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought, I thought at first, I thought that Jek- Strootman should have passed it. Because I don't think Strootman scored a, I don't scored. But was, I don't, Jekyll, was Jekyll onside? I thought he was off. That, that, that could be true, too. Um, but, but yeah, and then the second goal, like you said, questionable, goal, a terrible positioning. Nine goal and just lets it rip from 35 yards. I mean, a really good finish, but it was just, he was so out of position. So yeah, out of position. Yeah, yeah. And then you didn't mention the fight, did you? No, after the, yeah, you, go ahead. No, you go ahead. This is all you. You're uh, <laughs> so after Strootman's goal, uh, there was, a, there was a big fight and, uh, eventually, Danilo Cataldi, a uh, Lazio bench player, gets a red card. Um, yeah, Strootman gets. I think it's all started because Strootman gets gets pulled a little bit by a by a Lazio player from from behind, but he just completely dives and falls over, and then everyone starts getting into it, and he ends up getting a yellow for diving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just you know, classics. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's all it was, in good. It was, yeah, it was it's all in good rivalry fun. Uh, what's not in good fun are the comments that Lilich made after the game. Did you hear about this? What, the socks and whatever. Yeah. I, okay. All right. Why, why don't I just talk about the comments? So, um, he was asked about the derby, and not not right after the game. He still had some time to think about it. He said two years ago, Rudiger was selling socks and belts in Stuttgart. Now he acts like a phenomenon. Now. Um, uh, why, why don't you give some context? Um, d- d- beyond what, like, Antonio Rudiger pl- playing at Stuttgart? It, aren't there racial, aren't there racial implications? Yes, but I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, well, Woolwich, Woolwich also elbowed Bruno Perez too, right? I mean, that was a pretty nasty injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Lazio apologized for the comments. I, I I don't see to me. I don't really see it, but I, 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 I mean, no, I'm not I'm not doubting the fact that it was a racist comment, but I just I don't, um, you know, we don't we don't actually. So so I think that okay. So I'm looking it up right now. So socks and belts, you know, that just means like he was a street seller. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought. That's associated with yeah. Well, because because in Italy, all of them. A lot of the street sellers are minorities. Right, right. Okay, that, this makes sense now. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, it's not a good look for Lazio because, I mean, they're... And since that's obviously not true, it's it, like you have to assume that it's a racial thing. Well, well, well not, <laughs> not only that, he... I mean, there's kind of no... They're, they're... I don't know. They're, like, known for... Their racism it, it, within the, the fans, at least. Like the yeah, I think in general, I mean, it, they're not like they're not all racist, but they're, they're more racially charged than Roma. Yeah, I think in general there are problems in Italy, and th- but this is just you can't so, have stuff like this coming out well, from the players, you know. You know, I mean, De Rossi says something similar about Manzukic a few years. Or was it last year? He was um, talking about being him being a gypsy or whatever. Oh. I, I, I vaguely I, remember that. I vaguely remember something like that. I mean, it's it has no place in soccer, racism. Yeah. And, you know, it's 2016, and, you know, we can't really 
in this country, we can't act holier than thou. We can't say, oh, in Italy, it's, I mean, it is bad there, but it's, I mean, it's still kind of bad everywhere. I mean, and it's just a cultural problem. I mean, that's, a, you know, you, you don't, you don't make comments like that unless, I mean, it's intentional, right? It's intentional and it's rooted in some form of racism or racist uh, ideology. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah, I, it, it's just dumb. Anyways, what did you think of the game overall? Oh, Woolwich said white people sell stocks too. <laughs> That's yeah. how he responded. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't hear about that part. Um, okay, uh, let's just move on from this. <laughs> okay, what did you think of the game overall? Was it everything that you hoped it would be? It was exciting. I, you know, I, I, I have a vested interest in Roma. You're obviously a Roma fan, and you know, I, I believe I turned you on to Roma. So you know, no, I, I, I was, a, I was a Roma fan first. Um, okay. And they, they've always been my favorite Italian team, so it was exciting. You're definitely the more passionate Roma. Actually, Roma wasn't always my favorite Italian team. I mean, <laughs> I think I liked Napoli before I actually knew anything you, about you, soccer. You, you didn't know anything about soccer. You yeah. Just, Samir just had a, or our cousin just had a Cavani jersey. So yeah. You Napoli. And I think I just yeah played FIFA as them or something. But that was before I actually knew soccer. Michael Bradley was there. Yeah. That that was why I started watching them. But then I just I stuck with them even after. Well, Roma. also you know I I started liking Roma after that. We went to Italy, and Rome was your favorite city, right? Yes, that's also true. Um, and I mean I bought a really nice Roma jacket at the Roma Pro Shop, but you didn't buy anything, so I don't know why <laughs> you did it. Okay, I. <laughs> you, have a nice, you have a very nice jersey now. I do have a Roma scarf. Is that? What, did I get that? I, I don't know. I, where I, I got, got that. you. I got you that. Okay. Uh, and I, I've I've bought several jerseys since then. I... No, no, I'm not questioning your fandom. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> you, you, I'm just saying you have to thank me sometimes. You should be grateful. <laughs> yeah, I turned you on to Everton though. That's just patently untrue. <laughs> <laughs> because. Tim Howard and I, I, I was the first one to look up Tim Howard's Wikipedia page during the 2010 World Cup. No, this is this is all lie. You were asleep during our match. Okay. I don't understand why you didn't wake me up. I, I tried to. Your whole excuse is what? If I didn't wake up, what does that mean? You wake me up. Okay, we we, we were in India, so it was like at four, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. the match. I tried to wake you up. Okay, that's fine. I don't. I don't understand how you can fail at waking someone. When it, com- up. When, it com- when it comes down to it, I got you into soccer, and we wouldn't be here. No. If it okay. for me. Landon Donovan got me into soccer. That's fair. And what you know, it's all it's what came full circle when he came on the podcast. That's true. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. It's episode sixty of the Soccer Brothers podcast. It's available. Everywhere on iTunes, Podkicker, Google Play, also on our website, soccerbrotherspodcast.com. Before we sign off quickly, I want to talk about the U.S. U-17 national team. In like a tournament of friendlies, so not really a tournament, but also a tournament because they got a trophy. Um, they beat Portugal 7-1, to Turkey 5-1, to and Brazil 3 nothing. So great job for them. I don't want to go too crazy with the hype, but a lot of people are really hype about it. You know, you have some players like Andrew Carlton, who ML, or who Atlanta United um, signed. By the way, Atlanta United, I mean, they just signed Almiron, the Paraguayan. 
international. He's a young player. Um, you know, the, I don't know. They're, they're doing some, some great stuff over there. Um, and, you know, Tata Martino is, is, is the coach for Atlanta United. I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent there. I just can't get over that. That's crazy. Tata Martino. Isn't that? I mean, yeah. he, he was the manager crazy. for Argentina. Yeah. The last two teams he managed were Barcelona and Argentina. <laughs> and now he's in Atlanta. Yeah. Congratulations to the U17s, though. Yep. Also, I don't know if we mentioned it last week, but uh, Joshua Perez, the 18-year-old for Fiorentina, oh, made his debut. That's that's yeah. pretty good stuff. Well, and, and you know, he's he's a player I've really liked for a long time, and a player I actually thought would, a, a couple of years ago, would break into the scene earlier than Pulisic. Obviously, I was very wrong about that. Um, but uh, he has, you know, he he's a very exciting player. He plays um, on the wing, usually the right wing, left-footed player, um, loves to cut inside on his left foot, and he looked pretty comfortable when he came on for Fiorentina. And the last player, the last American in Serie A uh, was Michael Bradley. So yeah. I'm very excited to have another player to follow in Serie A. It's just another match for us to watch, man. Now <laughs> Everton, Roma, Dortmund, Fiorentina, and whatever big match is on that weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, he's actually the nephew of Hugo Perez, the former yes. U.S. national team player, which is pretty he cool. Is. Yeah, Hugo Perez. Perez is, yeah, Hugo Perez is pretty vocal on Twitter, actually. So. Oh, I don't think I've seen a tweet from him. I'll check him out. Yeah. And, yeah, okay, you know, here's the thing, and it, and it made me think of this. What were you just saying? Oh, yeah, you were wrong about uh, Perez coming on before Pulisic. Yeah. Um, see, the thing is, you call everyone, so I can't really give you credit when you call someone. Okay. I'm sure Josh, there's so many people you no, call. <laughs> that is not true. Josh Perez, Christian Pulisic, and Rubio Rubin. Those were the three that I really pushed. Okay. How about you tell me right now a youngster that you don't think is going to amount to anything? <laughs> um, that I don't think is going to amount to anything? That's really rude. <laughs> no, because then I know if you do a little bit of both, then then I can I can say you were um, right about that too. Okay, well, like I, I, I don't see Danny Barbier doing anything. He plays okay. for West Brom. Uh, I, you know, Andrea Novakovic. Novakovic. Hopefully, he comes on. He plays for Reading. He's starting to score goals. He's starting to get some looks. Um, I don't know. I mean, right now the players I'm excited about are obviously Andrew Carlton, um, Weston McKenney for Schalke, uh, Haji Wright for Schalke. Um, and Mukwale Akale for Villarreal. I think he is, he's great. I'm excited for him. Okay. And then, you know, you have players like Brooks Lennon, um, at Liverpool. He keeps on scoring for the U23s. Um, but you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to make it. You know, we thought maybe Junior Flores for, um, Dortmund was going to be good. You know, he didn't do much. Boxy Yomba. Hasn't, I mean, he was the first person that came to mind, honestly, when he said <laughs> the young players who aren't going to amount to anything. Um, he's on Orlando. He's on Orlando. I mean, but they all still. I mean, they still can. They still can turn it around. You never know. 
Wait, I just looked up his name and it says on, in June that they parted ways. Orlando City be part ways with Boxyama. Okay, so yeah, I don't... Really so know. I don't even think he... Yeah, I don't... Um, he's unattached right now. Another player I'm excited for is Luca De La Torre at, at Fulham. He's very good, too. Yeah, some yeah. Some youngsters out there. What a time to be a U.S. fan. What a time. <laughs> at, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, b- b- bottom of the hex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to pull it around, though. We got Bruce Arena. Uh... Yeah, who's basically Lulich, except a little bit... No, I'm kidding. Okay, so... Not even close. Except with foreign players, yeah. Um, Racism and xenophobia, although joined at the hip, aren't really the same thing. And Bruce Lee is not even... Okay, yeah. Bruce Lee is not even xenophobic. Okay, yeah. He's just... It was it was it was a it was a bad comment. He's apologized. He's clarified. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's he's, still it's still going to bother him a little bit when Brooks he's, scores. He's, he's used dual nationals before. Yeah, that's I don't know. I'll I'll never be able to forgive that comment specifically. No, that's but. you know that's completely fair. All right, I'll agree with you. <laughs> We have an email for this podcast at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter and Instagram. Those handles are at soccerbrospod. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, review and rate us wherever you can. Leave a comment. Send us an email with a question that you want us to talk about. Um, if you want a 15% off discount on your entire purchase on the website, ambitiousstrike.com. They sell t-shirts. Enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. It's a good shirt company. And uh, we also have a website now, soccerbrotherspodcast.com. It's uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's, it looks very nice. Um, definitely go check that out. And with that, we'll see you on episode 66 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast, our MLS Cup review. Yeah.